for the Paul Mooney is not only the highly successful pastor of Calvary Tabernacle of Indianapolis, Indiana, he's also a very popular conference and camp meeting speaker, the superintendent of the Indiana District and president of Indiana Bible College. His message was preached at the 1995 Mark Conference and is entitled simply, And Then. Brother Mooney reminds us that the trying of our faith is a normal process in spiritual growth and that even though everything may be going well, and then. And that when we approach these and then experiences, they cannot shake our faith but strengthen us to do greater things for the work of God. So please, we invite you to sit back and enjoy. Now, Brother Paul Mooney. putting God first in your life. I know he'll bless you for it. So welcome. And, and I want to say, too, thanks to all the saints of the Most High. So many magnificent people here at Calvary that serve the kingdom of God in various ways. Wherever you are giving yourselves to the work of the Lord, I thank you for the small things that many of you do and then some of the tremendously sacrificial things that many of you do. We appreciate it. From being in the choir to helping us clean. I thank God for our good maintenance people that make this such a wonderful place to come into night after night. Give them a great big hand. And during this Mark conference, we'll have many people serving and cooking and fixing and, and waiting on people. And the office staff will put in many, many hours. So give a hand where you can, as Brother Urshan said to us this morning. Help out. And we thank you for that. I know you will. And uh, the most, one of the most priceless things you can give to this conference, not only your prayers, and we're going to be in special prayer tomorrow night from 10 until 12. And uh, if you can, join us. We had many this morning that said they would come. How many that did not stand today would raise your hand tonight and say, Pastor, I will join you at 10 o'clock. We'll go from 10 until midnight tomorrow night after everyone else and uh, maybe has settled in and some of you men and ladies that are able. I know some of you can't leave your families, but you'd slip out and meet me over here at 10 o'clock and have prayer with us for a little while. If you didn't commit yourself this morning, can I see your hands? There are several more going to join us. Thank you. Over here on this side. Thank you. Thank you. From 10 until 12. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Join me and many of these ministers will be here praying. and We'll pray for one another and pray for revival. Pray for a moving of the Spirit on the meeting. So don't forget that. Also, the prayer... Uh, do we know where... The prayer chart uh, will be going around and it needs a lot of names on it. So I don't know which side we'll start it on. But move it quickly. Some of you kind of move it slow. Move it quickly so that... If we could get an usher to kind of walk it through. There it is. Brother Colgrove has it here. And start it right here in this front section. and Just move it quickly and sign it up. We need lots of prayer people. And uh, I know you'll help us on that. Thank you. We won't leave tonight till we get that full. So let's get started on it. Move it quickly there. Just kind of work it through. Now let's pray that God will pour His Spirit out on the preached Word. I won't hold you long tonight. Just give me a few minutes. In the precious name of Jesus, we ask you to come on the scene right now. And touch us and help us. Anoint your word. God, sink it deep into our hearts and into our minds. 
And we'll be very careful to praise you and thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. You may be seated. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, I'm going to do something I seldom do. I'm going to read quite a portion of scripture here. It has to do, of course, with the wilderness experience of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 1 is where we're going to start. Then Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered him and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. You think Jesus knew who he was? Verse 8, Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee. If thou wilt fall down and worship me, then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. I'd like to, for you to note that in verse 1, the verse begins with the word, then. In verse 5, the verse begins with the word, then. In verse 10, the verse begins with the word, then. Verse 11, and finally, begins with the fourth, then. I like the 11th chapter, the 11th verse. Then the devil leaveth him. And behold, angels came and ministered unto him. But before we can get to that then, we need to talk about the other three thens. Look at the person beside you and say, and then. Jesus had just been baptized. It was a magnificent moment. As he presented himself for baptism, he became the example for all the human race, submitting himself in the flesh to be baptized of a mortal man. What an expression of humility. And the dove descended upon his head. A great moment of victory. A marvelous illustration. Pressing crowds. People were interested in Jesus. 
people were inquiring as to the nature of this act as he submitted himself for baptism. And then. Now you may not be real happy with this, but I say it because it is more than just a truism. It is an absolute fact of life. You no sooner pass through one of those marvelous Kodak moments Those wonderful times when everything is clicking, baby. Crowds are pressing. Spirit is falling. Life is humming. You sound like a Rolls Royce. No knocks in your engine. You're as bright as two eggs frying in the skillet. You're as happy as two pieces of toast popping up and saying, Good morning. And, and, y'all need to put a little sarcasm on it. And then, now you're getting it. And then. Here is Jesus experiencing, if I can put it this way, and I don't mean this sacrilegiously in any way, experiencing this high. And all of a sudden, the Spirit leads him into the wilderness for the specific purpose of being tempted by the devil. So we go from here to way down here. And it seems like but a moment. You see, every life, before you can, every life, before a life can get to that then in verse 11, the then where the devil leaves, and the then where the angels come and minister to you, before every life gets to that then, you first have a series of progressive things to go through. And so the moment you reach a high, there comes a and then. Nobody escapes this. Sister Mooney and I met a young couple. I can't remember the exact details of how we managed to make contact with them. I, I don't know if it was door knocking or maybe we were introduced or maybe they just came to our service. But nevertheless, we made their acquaintance. We went and preached and talked, talked, taught, taught them rather a home Bible study. And I remember being in their home and teaching the lessons and eating the cookies and drinking the milk that she would prepare for us and the coffee and those wonderful hour, uh, hours that we spent week after week. And, and at that time we were doing the 10 or 11 lessons and we came and they were so faithful and made sure that they did not miss a lesson. It was the perfect home Bible study. It was textbook. And the couple came and received the Holy Ghost and was baptized in Jesus' name. And they were so excited. They were so thrilled. Born again. Didn't know anything about Pentecost. Had never heard of the Holy Ghost. Had never had a real exciting spiritual experience in their life. Knew nothing about the joy that could come as a result of spirit baptism. And they were so happy and thrilled and excited. And then...
I've seen it over and over and over. And I'll complete the story of this couple in just a minute. But I've seen it over and over. Many people who have come to church and repented of their sins and been baptized and got the Holy Ghost. And no sooner had they got straightened out, no sooner had they began to bask in the sunshine of God's glory, no sooner had they began to finally at long last get their pitiful lives straightened out, and here it comes. And then, in the case of this couple, when they went back, the lady in particular went back to witness to her family, she met a hardened face of a father who was disgusted that his daughter would become a Pentecostal. He fumed and paced and cursed. How could you go to a holy roller church? How could you go and down there with those dingbats? How could you do this? How could you insult your family? And then anybody been there? Here is Jesus being driven by the Spirit into the wilderness. And here's the first point that I want to make with you tonight. Sometimes when the crisis comes, you go from that high place to that valley. Don't think always that this is something horrible happening. Many times it is the work of the Holy Spirit itself in your life. Sometimes it is the very Spirit of the Holy God that drives us into the wilderness as it was in the case of Jesus. Because you see, there are some things you cannot learn on the mountaintop. Some things you can never really figure out as long as you're in the high. It's when you get down in the valley and you go through the tough times, you start understanding some things. The Lord sometimes wants to teach us. He wants to train us. He wants to develop us. He wants to help us. To do that, he puts an and then in the story of your life. And so when you look back and you retell it, you say, oh, I was doing so great. I was having such a marvelous time in the Holy Ghost. And then, boy, I got up the next morning and the roof caved in. I thought, this is wonderful. But and then, I went over to my dad's house and he cursed me and my mother rebuked me and it looked like everybody was turned against me and I shall never forget the phone call when that precious lady called and said brother Mooney I went over and witnessed to my father his name was Armstrong and he was a mean kind of guy he had been involved in in uh, and I don't mean this as a reflection on on unions but he, he had been a union organizer he's just a tough guy and he was one of those kind of big, boisterous, big guys that pushed people around. He, he had kind of made his living, so to speak, just having his way with, with any situation in life. And she called me on the phone and she said, my dad said, as long as I was going to a Pentecostal church, he would never speak to me again. I said, what are you going to do about that? She said, I'm going to keep coming. Because what I found in church means more to me than my relationship with my father. Sometimes the Lord just puts you in a place and says, I'm going to look at it now and take, take a, an evaluation of you and kind of see how you react to all of this and see how you handle all of this. So it was the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. 
And after he had fasted and prayed for 40 days and 40 nights, Satan came to him and tempted him to turn, as you know the classic story, the stone, to turn the stone into bread. And Jesus answered with the scripture, Man shall not live by bread alone. But it was for Jesus the and then. I wish somebody knew what I was preaching about tonight. How are you going to react to this? I'm going to keep coming to church, Brother Mooney. And she did. She came to church. And she came to church. Her dad would come over to her house. And he would bang on the door and try to harass them. And yell at her. Even though they never had a civil conversation. He did yell at her after that. He said he wasn't going to speak to her. But he did yell at her. And then Mr. Armstrong got deathly sick and he thought he was going to die and I give the old man credit for this he picked up the phone one day and he called me and he said Pastor Mooney he said come pray for me didn't ask me he said come pray for me and I went into that hospital room and his little daughter was there with me and we laid hands on him and big old tears came up in his eyes and he grabbed his daughter and he hugged her and he said, honey, I'm so proud of you. I wish I could tell you that that man went on to serve the Lord. God did touch him. I believe God touched him and healed him, but he never really served the Lord. But God honored the prayers of that little girl, still living today as far as I know. But the, the wound was healed and the situation was corrected. And that's what will happen in your life when you go down to that difficult place and the Lord begins to test you. And there's that, and then. But notice... Jesus had no sooner gotten through this first challenge from the devil and there was another then. The second and then is different than the first. The first was about physical struggle. The first was about real life. The first was about hunger. Now something quite interesting takes place. The devil begins to demonstrate his power. Now we underestimate sometimes how influential and how powerful the devil is sometimes we kind of talk tough you know but don't you ever forget he is the tempter and he has the power to tempt you if a man is tempted he is never tempted of the Lord for the Lord man the Lord never tempts a man but the devil is a tempter and the Bible said that the devil took Jesus and took him up into the city no sooner had he come through the first trial and here is another and then I got over that victory. I, I made it through that particular trial, test of circumstances and what happens and, and I got victory over all those kind of physical things, earthly things, ordinary things. I finally got my life settled out now. My parents have finally figured out that I'm going to be a Pentecostal. I've kind of gotten through the crises over holiness and folks on the job now realize that I don't cuss like I used to cuss and I don't go where I used to go and I'm not going to dress like I used to dress. I'm a changed person. I got through that. And no sooner do you get through that and here comes. And, and then. The devil says, all right, you did pretty good on that. He takes us up to a high place. High places. Slippery places. When you're high up, folks, you're in danger. Take the most spiritual person that you know in this earth. Take the person that you think is the closest to God, the one that you admire the most. And I promise you, that is the man or woman that's having the most severe tests or temptations 
in their lives. And then, Thursday, I was at a funeral. A preacher whose daughter had passed away at the age of 43 of cancer. A few months ago, he had lost his mother. She died. They buried her. Three months ago, he lost his assistant pastor, a young man that he had won to the Lord and that was an intricate part of his ministry. Died suddenly. A young man in his 30s, an educated young man that was a, was a tremendous help and associate and assistant to him, died suddenly. News had come just two weeks ago that his son had taken violently ill and was in an Atlanta hospital and was not expected to live. And five days they sat beside a son who was dying. Some infection had gotten into his body or something and he was dying. Five days. While they were just getting over the crises in Atlanta, a call came from Tulsa that the brother had been on a camping trip. This preacher's brother had been on a camping trip and had died. And for five days his body was undiscovered in the hot heat of Oklahoma. They had to burn his body. It was in such bad shape. He leaves the bedside of a dying son to bury his brother. And while he is with his brother and his nieces and nephews in that tragic service, with all of its heartache and sorrow, word comes that his daughter is rushed to the hospital and is in very serious condition. They go to the hospital and discover, as the doctors sadly tell the story, that we don't expect her to live even for three days. And then, doing good, in a high place, having a good ministry, life's running good, got a great church, God is blessing, and then everything falls out. Inexplicable things, things that tear at your heart, things that tear at your soul. You mean she's only going to live for a few days? Yes, a few days. And I remember when we got the call, I think, on Monday, they said, Brother Mooney, we don't think she's going to make it through the night. And sure enough, by the next morning, she was gone, 43 years old. A beautiful lady cut down in the prime of life leaves behind three gorgeous daughters and a husband. And then... tell you as you as you achieve things for God and as you as you try to accomplish things for God and you get to whatever you think is a high place always remember that it's very slippery on high places and it's from high places that you can take the worst kinds of falls the devil can afflict some pretty hard hurts Sometimes it's hard to explain. And I give you another story without a name. Sometimes it's hard to explain.
As hard as you know to preach, you're doing everything you know to do. You're trying to be faithful, loving God, loving God's people, serving the Lord. You hope out of a pure heart, giving yourself, allowing your life to be totally absorbed. And then you get the word that your daughter has been raped. And the urge to kill rises up in you. How do you handle that? It's the and then of life. And then, and then, I was doing good. I was walking with God. I was serving Him the best I knew how. Everything seemed like it was coming together. I'd been through a few fights, I threw a few storms, I threw trouble, a few troubles. And then, this, in, this horrible thing happened. I got a call one night. A man said, I don't understand this, Brother Mooney. I don't get this. I said, what are you talking about? I don't know how this could happen in my house. I said, what are you talking about? He said, right in my house. I came home and I caught my son smoking marijuana and was having a party, a despicable party that involved immorality in my home. Explain it to me. I can't explain. I wish I could explain it, have explained it to him. I couldn't explain it to him. It's just that and then. When the Lord, and I, I know you may, you may find this strange preaching because we get so much preaching today that just makes us swing off the chandeliers, but I'm telling you that every true Christian has an and then experience in their life. When you're just going along and you're working through it and you feel like you're doing the best you can, and then the Spirit drives you into the wilderness, and then the devil tempts you, throws something at you that puts things in your heart you never thought possible. Remember my own life, and you'll forgive me for the biographical aspect of this remark. Sister Mooney and I have, uh, in so many ways, an untold story that we haven't even shared with our own, our own children, our own family, never with our church. I'm probably going to be as close to transparency on this subject as I've ever been. But sometimes when you've given so much to God and you've tried to do your best, you cannot understand how there can be an and then in your life. The only thing that ever drove me to the, to the point, to the brink, to the preface, to the edge, the only thing was to try to work through the fact that my own son was not living for God. And the torment, the satanic oppression that came, the death threats that came, not from our son, please, but from others, in the same scenario, the tormenting spirits that attack us at night, to where we would get up in the middle of our bed and stand on the bed holding hands and praying that God would protect us 
from the spirits that we could feel in the room and see with our eyes. Am I telling it right? See with our eyes. And the, the, the horrible, the horrible pressure and weight and the, the assurance the devil would tell me every day he was going to kill me. And, and sent on one occasion a young man to my house to take my life. A demonic kid who later, a few days later, after he attempted to kill me, committed suicide in the county jail. And I can show you the clippings of the newspaper, the Muskegon Chronicle. And he hung himself with his own sheet in his bed. Three days before that, he had attempted to kill us. Pressure. And I'm not, I'm not playing Lone Ranger here. I'm just telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to show you what can happen to people who are right in the middle of giving themselves to God. And it's happening to some of you because I'm not talking about something that doesn't happen to everybody. There is an and then. And you can be preaching or singing or living for God and paying your tithe and being faithful. And here comes an and then. And then you're driven to the wilderness. And then you are tempted. And then you get on the slippery slopes. And then the enemy comes. not easy I could tell you so many stories particularly of ministers who have been betrayed whose lives have been attacked by the enemy who've had things fall through financial disasters of one kind or the other not because they were bad or dishonest but just because there was an and then in their life and you have to preach through that. And I thank God for my lovely wife who helped me preach through all of that. And good saints that helped me preach through all of that. But I knew, I know now that there was some training and some learning and some deepening and some pain that I had to go through just so I could preach the gospel with a little bit of depth and understanding. Don't talk to me about tough times. I've been there, ladies and gentlemen, when the walls seem like they're coming in on you and the darkness is so dark you can't see through it and the enemy comes in like a flood. I've been there, but there's always a way of escape if you're faithful. you got to be faithful. Children sick. Inexplicable troubles and diseases, temptations of all kinds. A young man was converted. He was the son of a millionaire. Public story, first time ever, real story, first time ever told in public. I'm far enough past it now. I can tell it. Son of a millionaire was converted. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I should never forget the night that this man wanted to see me. We sat in, uh, we sat on the front part of the, of the church. I was sitting on the altar and he was sitting on the first pew. And his wife was sitting beside me. Ele elegant, wonderful people as far as society was concerned. The man was a manufacturer. He had a big business. Lots of money. And he said this to me. 
He said, what is your price, preacher? I'll pay you any amount of money if you'll just let go of the influence you have on my son. Name your price. And he wasn't talking $25. He was talking six-figure sums. I couldn't pay my bills. I couldn't pay my water bill. I couldn't pay my light bill. I painted houses to go to general conference for years because I didn't have the money to get there any other way. And then, and then, and then, and then, you see. You say, why are you talking like this, Brother Mooney? I'm not trying to be anything. I'm just trying to point something out to you. Satan took Jesus up on this high place and he said, look, this can all be yours. And then. You young ministers, you'll have to do this somewhere. Your story will be different. Your, your tale that can be told someday will take on different dimensions and different form. But I promise you, in every one of the lives of you young people, men and women, there will be and thens in your life. You get out of school and you graduate, and then it comes. Or you get married and you think, this is the grandest, most wonderful thing in all the world. We're married now, and then it comes. Sick babies, broken homes. Our church in Muskegon was doing so very, very well. And then Sister Mooney, and then Sister Mooney, passed by Route 6 in northern Indiana, and some crazed woman who had left her medicine at home and was driving from someplace in Illinois over to Ohio had gotten lost, and she had been on the road for three days, didn't know where she was at, and she was whacked out of her mind, and she was on the wrong side of the road going the wrong way, and she crashed into the side of Sister Mooney's car. The last three nights, Sister Mooney has slept in the chair. For years, we have slept on the floors and slept in chairs. My hand is absolutely about to drop off from having rubbed her back for hours. This hand, ladies and gentlemen, will be cast in gold after I die. And there will be a big plaque on it said, the hand that rubbed a back more than any other hand in the history of mankind. This hand right here. And then the injury comes, and then the cancer comes, then the sickness comes, and then the trouble comes, and I must hasten on. Now, if this offends you for me being so personal tonight, I'm very, very sorry. Because, I, I, you know, I hesitate to do this. But I'm just trying to show you. I'm not preaching. This is not a made-up sermon. Uh, just an outline. I want you to know that I'm telling you that you could potentially have an and then in your life. Let's hasten. The third then. And this is where it starts getting better. Then, when Satan came again at Jesus... And he tempted the Lord with all the kingdoms of the world. Verse number 10. Then Jesus, he took a look at all the temptations that the devil had. And the Bible said, then Jesus said, get behind me. Is that what he said? Somebody help me now. Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Some of you folks, you need to quit feeling sorry for yourselves. And say, well, I'm going through this. I understand what that's like. That's tough. But here's what you have to do. I say this again with, uh, with experience. I've been at that place where suddenly you've got to rise up. 
I don't know how this happens exactly. I, I don't know what kind of dynamic to teach about it. But I do know when you can just, you can go through it and you can feel it and you can suffer it. And something rises up inside of you that says, Satan, you mark this down somewhere in your filthy little book. It doesn't matter what you throw at me or what you say to me. It doesn't matter about the injuries, the sickness, the temptations, the demonic spirits. It doesn't matter about the hurts, the pains, the difficulties. As for me and my house, we're going to go on and live for God and be faithful and hold out. Somebody say yes. Somebody say yes. And then... And then Jesus said, get thee hence, Satan. I've seen your picture. I've heard what you've got to say. You tempted me with hunger. You tried to hurt me. You tempted me with the glory of this kingdom. But I want you to know, Satan, you are wasting your time. Get behind me, Satan. I'm going on through. And then. I can't protect you from and then. I can't protect you from that. And then. Many times as a pastor I've dealt with people and I would like to I would like to have taken I didn't like I didn't like old man Armstrong all that well, Mickey, you remember? I would like I could have choked him. As a man I could have choked him. Now maybe that offends you, but just because you get the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you're you know, you can have the Holy Ghost and still have a choking spirit every once in a while. I could have choked him. I didn't like him. He insulted his daughter. We used to take a little girl home. I see Mary and Martha's here. You'll know this is true. We used to take a little girl home. Not far from Calvary Tabernacle, from our little missions church over here a few blocks away. And that little girl, every Sunday night, she knew when she went home, she was going to be beat. For what? For just going to church. Just going to church. How could a father beat a child for going to church? Yet you have people like that. There was a little girl that prayed through one time and she had been into bad stuff. Suffice it to say, everything she was big enough to do, she did. And you, you can fill in the blanks. I mean, she lived a filthy life and an immoral life. But when she came to the altar, her parents used to let her run around at night on the streets and she could do anything she wanted to do. But when she finally made her way to the house of God and knelt at a Pentecostal altar and began to seek the Lord, her brazen, idiotic parents came into the church and tried to drag her away from the altar. I mean, they physically tried to pick her up. I asked that father, I said, where were you when she was out drinking? And where were you when she was out doing drugs? You let her do that. He said, I don't care how much she drinks. I just don't want her to go to church. Some father's going to wake up in hell and answer to God for that statement if he doesn't repent of it one of these days. We had a precious lady. Prayed through, lived for God. She was faithful. Lived above you, Jean, for a long time, Denise. Her parents her brother in particular he was an ex-con he hated her for two reasons first of all because she had the Holy Ghost and secondly because she was a black gal going to a predominantly white church we had several black people but it's predominantly white church she was a beautiful black lady she was coming to our church and, and, and her, her brother her brother hated her for that he hated it. he had hatred inside of him he would have hated her for something but that was just a good excuse. And I'll never forget the night that they came in our church, Mickey, with ball bats. The whole family, three or four of them, came into the church with ball bats. And they said, where is Denise? And the usher was back there. And he said, why do you want her? They said, we have come to beat her brains out. And they had ball bats. And they were high as kites. 
and the usher didn't know what to do so thank God he went and got Sister Mooney instead of me Now, I'm going to tell you, Sister Mooney looks like a demure little thing up there, but you get her in a crisis. She's a holy tornado, I mean to tell you. Well, I don't mess with her much. She went back there in that foyer, and those people were back there with those bomb bands, and they were saying, we've come to kill Denise. Am I telling this right, Jean? I've come to kill, kill Denise and bash her brains out and sister Mooney looked at that big old guy who was about six foot six ex-con standing there rough just rough as a cob and he had horrible face and big old ugly teeth and he was standing there with that ball band six foot six and here's little old midget Mickey standing there and she said I'll tell you right now in the name of Jesus if you go in there with that ball band God will strike you dead thought about it for a little while he said we'll get her later they haven't got her to this day and she she's still safe in the hands of Jesus I was doing good and then it will come but you've got to take a stand somewhere you've got to draw a line in the sand I can remember when sister Mooney and I finally just I don't know what what you sometimes you wonder why you don't take you don't take a position earlier I can't explain that it just seemed like you suffer with things but there comes a point maybe it's all of the Holy Ghost maybe it's just that day you wake up that one morning and you feel somehow in the spirit that this is the day we're going to break through this is the day we're going to get the victory this is the day we're going to push some of this junk back and I can remember Sister Moody and I kneeling down and praying saying we've had it this is it we're not going to suffer this anymore and began to rebuke all of those terrible things in the name of Jesus and I'm here to tell you the clouds began to lift our understanding came back straight came back in our bones anointing came back into my preaching and God was with us but you know what we had to say we had to say Satan get thee behind me <laughs> get ready to sing amen get the choir ready to sing where's that song you sing about heaven can you, you still remember that song you sing about heaven you sir Come on down here and help me preach. Mm. I like to watch fat men sing. Get your microphone. Come on down here. We boys got to stick together. You know that, don't you? Huh? We're not careful skinny people going to take over the world. We'll set on them. I've done it. 